If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. You know, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot about people in the media saying that these media outlets should stop covering. They should boycott Trump and his daily briefings in the White House concerning coronavirus. I think I think we should start talking about boycotting the media and the way that they're covering this stuff because this is getting completely 100% out of control and welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show for those that want to watch the program live or on demand. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening, and uh, it's always good to have you. So I want to start. I swear to you, there is nothing, and you know this already, but it's it's still another thing to see it play out in in the real world, it doesn't matter what the news is regarding coronavirus. This is covered as though it is bad news. Let me read this headline for you in uh, from our good friends at CNN. CNN never disappoints me, by the way. CNN, CNN always has a way of putting things in... To the improper perspective. So CNN, of course, who writes this, but none other than our good friend Jim Acosta. So you may have seen that the numbers of anticipated deaths due to coronavirus have been revised downward. This, my friends, should be good news. In a sane world, this would be This would be good news. And there's reasons and rationale given for this. CNN, however, CNN, however, is wanting to understand, get to the bottom of why President Trump and his team, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, were talking about numbers, what was that last week, between 100 and 200,000. And then those numbers got revised upward saying 100,000 to 240,000. Now reports are showing, some of these models are showing almost 82,000 deaths. We still don't know. Look, we are dealing with an unknown here. You may have seen that places in Asia 
places like Hong Kong, places like Singapore, places like I believe I saw Taiwan are dealing with a potential second wave, if you will. Second wave. Ironically, if you read the stories about that, what's blamed for the second wave are American travelers or European travelers bringing the virus back to the region, which of course may be may be the case. By the way, I'm not suggesting that it it isn't. I'm simply saying this is probably coming from the same news sources that criticize President Trump for wanting to restrict travel from the nation of China early on in this process. Anyway, CNN here doing their part never to disappoint, playing their absolute best role here, says top, this is headline of this story, written by Jim Acosta and Elizabeth Cohen. I love when they tag team write these things, but top public health official says number of dead could be lower as Americans practice social distancing. The headline is benign enough, but let's let's look at what they want to know. A week after unveiling a stunning projection for the number of people who would die from the coronavirus in the U.S., 100,000 to 240,000, White House officials have yet to fully explain how they arrived at those numbers. So that's the story. The story is... We want to know how they arrived at the at the larger number. Some administration officials are now saying the number could be lower than they originally warned, but it comes as there are continued questions about how the administration got the higher number. So the number is coming down. The number is coming down. CNN isn't excited the number comes down. CNN wants to know why the first numbers were so high. May I point out to CNN, and I looked this up last night, Read you some. You talk about dire predictions. Let me let me read just a couple. Daily Mail. This goes back to March sixth, twenty twenty. Headline: Fifteen million people will die, and the global economy will take a two point three two point three trillion dollar hit from the coronavirus. In best case scenario, new study predicts that was the Daily Mail about a month ago. March. What I say? March sixth. 2020. What about this? And Breitbart. This goes back. This goes back to March 15th, just a couple of weeks ago. Ex-Obama official reports it's too late to stop over 1 million U.S. deaths, U.S. coronavirus deaths. So there's that. That's Andrew Slavitt, Barack Obama's former acting administrator for centers uh, for the Centers for Medicaid and uh, excuse me, Medicare and Medicaid services, um, predicting that it was too late. It was too late to stop more than two million, excuse me, one million deaths. So now that was, and remember early projections that the Trump administration had shared um, with the media at one of those briefings. They said some of the early estimates showed. 1. Point, I forget it, 1.1 to 2.2 million deaths if no social distancing was implemented. And of course, now they're saying that the models, the models had assumed that there would be 50% compliance with social distancing. Now we're finding out according to research, and again, this is this is a bit of a moving target in a sense because you're dealing with individual people doing, you know, whatever individual people decide to do in a given day 
But they're now saying that as many as 90%, 90% of Americans are complying with social distancing guidelines and requests. So they have, as a result, as a result, they've seen the numbers and they're beginning to think that we're not going to peak. Now, again, this is not a prediction. Now, it is a projection from the models, but we're dealing with, with people and people can, of course, make decisions that change those numbers between you know, starting today. So, and of course, the projections can be wrong as well. But CNN, instead of, instead of celebrating this a little bit, CNN is concerned that the administration's first numbers were too high because now, daggone it, they've got a report. They've got a report that the estimates, and this is pathetic, by the way, I, I really think that CNN, I don't even know how to describe how truly pathetic, inexcusable, and awful this network is or cable news outlet is top to bottom. It really is the, – the amount – again, we talked about this yesterday to a point. I don't want to get back into this specifically, but the amount of blind hatred, blind rage, political – uh, they look at the world completely through a political lens. And their job, I'm telling you, in their minds, their job is to say, how can we prove to be an obstacle to President Trump today? How can we nail this guy for something? Because I'm telling you, in their minds, they think this guy is guilty of all these things. We've not been able to get him yet. And that is that is our job. This They believe that they are on the verge. These reporters, down to a person, believe that they are one story away from breaking the next Watergate against this time President Trump instead of instead of Nixon. They believe that this guy has gotten out of situations that are equally as bad and probably much, much worse than Watergate. And so each and every day, these folks seek to find a way to move the narrative and to move the needle towards towards that Watergate seminal moment. Again, why would you... I, why would you not be happy, CNN, that the numbers came down from 100 to 240,000, now maybe 82,000? I'm going to go back to the story here. The final number could end up being higher or lower than the dramatic estimates released one week. Now, the dramatic estimates, those were dramatic estimates one or two weeks ago. These, I, I just, no matter what you do, if you don't tell them a number, they're upset because the White House is hiding information. If you tell them a number, if you tell them a number, they run with it while they can. Then the number comes down. Now they have to say, oh, now we got to report that the number came down. Why did they give us such a high number to begin with? They must be trying to hide something. Maybe Trump's trying to drive the price of hydroxychloroquine up. Maybe he's got friends in the business where they, where they sell this drug. We've got people out there saying stuff like that. That's the only reason Trump will be out there touting hydroxychloroquine. It can't be because it helped people. It can't be because... It's saving lives, at least according to individuals who've been given this drug in many cases, even from studies, again, not with a control group, but nonetheless, studies from overseas in France where we have pretty good response to that drug. It can't be because of any of those reasons. It has to be, it has to be because this guy, President Trump, is trying to benefit financially or something. It has to be some personal benefit for Trump or for Trump's buddies, that's what they want you to believe. They can't be happy about 
these numbers. Now they're instead of instead of it's just so bizarre to me as as a human being that lives, you know, just just from a common sense perspective. Why in the world you get your numbers, which you've been asking about for a long time, those numbers after a week or so, week or two, whatever it's been, suddenly those numbers, have you noticed, by the way, time time is definitely going slower with social distancing. I'm, I'm guessing it's the same for you as well. I say a week or two. It might have been 48 hours ago when those numbers came out uh, with, with the speed at which some of this uh, – that time moves along now that we're in social distancing. But instead of, you know, you get your numbers, the numbers were high, you know, it got Americans' attention, 100 to 240,000 potential deaths from this. Now all of a sudden, the numbers have been revised downward, 82,000, heck, maybe as low as 49,000. That was the low end of the spectrum, I believe. Instead of finding rejoicing over this, instead of CNN saying Americans... What you're doing, how you're living your lives is, is preventing this disease from spreading person to person. We're choking this thing out. Again, we're not out of the woods. I don't want to say that suddenly we can just, you know, go to a, a, a sporting event with 60,000 people, although I, wanna, I do want to talk about UFC later today as the program comes together. But instead of rejoicing over that, they're upset. Now they want to know why the original numbers were so high because, daggone it, we've got to report – that the numbers are coming down because of practices that can be traced back to the White House, to the Coronavirus Task Force, which, of course, is tied to Trump, has Trump as its leader. We've been told, we've, been, we've had pressure, we've had people begging us not to cover these, these press briefings. Now, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, it turns out that what they've been saying at these briefings have dramatically impacted the number of people. Apparently, we don't know yet. Again, based upon these models, which we've been relying upon from the beginning, now they're revising their numbers downward. Instead of finding reasons to rejoice about that, we find reasons to question the original numbers. Why, Jim Acosta wants to know. Why were they so high to begin with? I mean, can you understand? I know I know you do. But just, just that is who this guy is, Jim Acosta. So you give him the numbers that they'd been begging for for a long time. You provide that information, and because of the actions that you've been encouraging Americans to do, those numbers come down. And instead of saying, hey, that's, you know, can you talk a little bit about what's happening, why these numbers are coming down? No, 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 Jim Acosta. He needs to know why you gave him high numbers to begin with. I mean, there's seriously something wrong with a person like this. There is seriously something wrong with the heart. I'd, I say definitely the heart, maybe the mind, but definitely the heart of a person who looks at the world like this. And I don't mean to pick on Jim Acosta, but my goodness, this guy, this guy is, uh, I, I, in my estimation, a professional deceiver. He has no intent on reporting actual news. He has every intent on reporting harmful, damaging, um, critical news of the president or candidly any any Republican or conservative that's out there trying to uh, implement their particular worldview and ideology and so forth, but or their beliefs as far as how to how the government should operate. Jim Acosta, upset, upset that the numbers are coming down. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. He's upset, finds a problem with these numbers coming down. Sick and twisted worldview, sick and twisted way of looking at things. And I've got to take a timeout. 
Got to take a time out here. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Again, what on earth, what on earth is wrong with the media? What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people who refuse to take any news, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, what is wrong with people who choose to, to look at this and to report it and to, and to frame it and to frame it as something that's bad? Again, talking about projections and modeling of the number of deaths in the United States due to coronavirus. Those numbers have come down. Instead of celebrating that, instead of celebrating that, Jim Acosta, Jim Acosta is trying to figure out why the numbers were so high to begin with. And and look, the answer here, and he does write about it, he does write about it, is the, the social... The social distancing. It's just it's just bizarre to me that the, the thought process of a journalist, of a so-called journalist, the numbers come out, there were 100,000 to 240,000. If the president and his team had not provided numbers, they would have been accused of hiding information, vital information from the American public. They would have been accused of trying to keep... Uh, this information away from people and it of course would cause extra deaths and, and the president would have blood on his hands as we've heard people like Chuck Todd pontificate about. Trump would be directly responsible for this. So they give them a number. Of course they were happy to to talk about that number at first because it was a I think a bit of a shocking number, even though even though in, in other ways it wasn't because we've got other former Obama officials saying that it was too late to stop a million deaths. And, folks, I'm not predicting where this thing ends up. Please, I don't want – this is, this is an unpredictable sort of situation in some ways. We've got, we've got a spread of a disease that depends upon the actions of many millions of Americans, um, how quickly we get a treatment – how quickly we find, hopefully at some point, a vaccine for this, um, whether or not this thing does in fact come in waves as they think that it will. I mean, maybe it's, it's even a seasonal thing, as, as Dr. Fauci has, has indicated a couple of times uh, during some of these interviews and uh, press briefings and so forth. But to say that the 100,000 to 240,000 number was extraordinarily high. I mean, it may have been, but it was nowhere as high as some... I, I referenced numbers earlier, first segment, 15 million. 15 million was the prediction um, of one of these of one of these studies. And the Obama official, ex-Obama official, was saying it was too late for the U.S. to stop uh, the death toll from re- reaching a million. So Trump te- Trump's team comes out, gives that number... 100,000 to 240,000. Jim Acosta and his colleague at CNN, instead of rejoicing that the number's now down to 82 and perhaps even slightly below 50, 50,000 U.S. deaths, instead of finding 
that to be good news. They begin to question why the numbers were so high to begin with. But if you think about it, in comparison to the other numbers that were floating around out there, those numbers were not high. And again, this is a moving target. But have we not have we not reached a point? Have we not reached a point where there's at least some, as we've heard the the analogy, the light at the end of the tunnel? Is there not a bit of you know optimistic uh, news in some in some respects? We see hospitalizations going down in New York. Yesterday, by the way, was the single uh, greatest number of deaths in New York. So there's definitely you know lots of bad things happening with this. That's sad. That's tragic. That uh, is something that uh, I mean this is this is a ravaging disease for certain people. Again, we've talked about the the continuum from the people who cannot uh, feel symptoms, don't even know that they have the virus. That's about half the population. If you believe these studies, then you have. Uh, the other half of the people, you have some folks, the vast majority, who just get sick and, and are able to stay home. They don't require hospitalization. They're able to to deal with this at home like they would with with the flu. I'm not saying you know some some of these folks say it feels like the flu. Some folks uh, have much more extreme symptoms. So you have a range, but you have people that don't have to go to the hospital. Then you have some that go to the hospital. They need treated, but they don't need to go to ICU. Then you have some that have to go to ICU. You have, of those that go to ICU, you have some then that need to be put on a ventilator. And if that's the case, I've seen numbers anywhere from 50% to up to 80% mortality rate at that point if you end up on a ventilator with this, uh, with COVID-19. Those are the people who are who are dying uh, from from this disease. And so it's let I me mean, it, it's there's a lot of factors here we're we're working through on kind of kind of the fly and of course people not knowing how many Americans would practice social distancing not even entirely sure how effective that would be that was the the prescribed path of mitigation and instead of applauding social distancing, applauding what the coronavirus task force has done, applauding what seems to be, again, without celebrating too, too early or claiming victory, nothing of that sort, but to at least report promising news that says we have a situation that seems to be improving, even though we have some very difficult days that we're going through, even though we have more difficult days in the near future, even though there will be spikes around this country, it appears that America in, has potentially made the situation better and may be turning the corner. What is wrong? Again, I ask you, what is wrong with the person who refuses to at least see it through that lens? Why must they? Why must they? I just, it's bizarre to me. The numbers come down and they have to report. Not that the numbers come down, but maybe this administration was giving us inflated numbers to begin with. Why were they doing that? When, of course, there were numbers much, much, much greater. I mean, early on, there were some projections. I mean, you read some of these early predictors, and you had, I mean, people were taking 216 million Americans as being the the baseline of the people who would contract this, and then they took... 
a mortality rate of one and a half percent of that or some such thing. And that's the number of, of deaths that people were people were reporting. Anyway, so something wrong with Jim Acosta. You already knew this already. Jim Acosta, CNN, they just can't find any any positive news. It has to be spun in a negative light because because they have to they have to show this president in a negative way. They just they can't help themselves, folks. There's no way around this. And again, as I said off the top, as I said off the top, there are people who are calling for the boycott of networks, demanding that networks and cable news outlets stop showing President Trump and the coronavirus task force briefings to boycott uh, boycott those. I think the American people might want to consider boycotting the news media and the way that they cover this stuff. I've got to take a time out. When we get back, I want to specifically talk about, I want to talk about uh, one of these individuals who's threatening to boycott MSNBC if they don't stop covering the the Trump coronavirus task force force briefings every afternoon, every evening. Share that with you when we get back. Uh, Brings back some memories with this individual. We'll talk about that just after the other side of the break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, where listening has been proven by 98% of scientists, has been proven and demonstrated this program causes you to lean to the right. Lean to the right. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Welcome back. Sorry. Actually spilled a little bit of my water here on the desk here. Okay, so that got me distracted of what I wanted to say. Howard Dean, good old Howard Dean. You remember Howard Dean? I actually, I'm actually going to play. I'm actually going to play a bit of Howard Dean here. One of my all-time favorite clips of someone in in politics. This is Howard Dean back all the way back in 2004. For those of you who may not have been following poli- uh, politics back in those times, a you may be wondering who on earth is Howard Dean. B you might be wondering, uh, you might be surprised to know that Howard Dean was an actual nominee. Well, not the, I guess you could say a candidate, not the actual nominee, but a candidate for the Democrat Party. He was running for the Democratic uh, Party nomination back in 2004. Of course, that nomination was ultimately won by John Kerry, uh, who, as Rush Limbaugh says, who served in Vietnam. John Kerry, the same John Kerry that went uh, somewhere in Iowa back, you know, this is how you campaign. You go into Iowa, you try to do your best to talk as you think the locals talk. John Kerry, right, a, a elitist from the East Coast, right, he's an elitist liberal, goes into a, a hunting store or some gun shop or some such place, and he comes in there and he asks for a hunting license and what he says is I'm here to get me a hunting license John Kerry right whose whose wife is uh, Teresa Hines Kerry which is of course the Hines ketchup Hines field Pittsburgh Steelers sort of thing elite group John Kerry 
Never talked like that a day in his life until he ran for president. Going to get me a hunting license, as they as they like to do. Kind of how Hillary Hillary picks up the uh, her Southern accent when she's in black churches down south, trying to connect with them. Now, in fact, remember we had AOC. What do they they call this something? There's a term for this where it's actually it's considered a good thing where you want to basically mirror the i guess the 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 dialect and the accent of those that you're speaking to there's a term for it i'm drawing a blank on what it is anyway howard dean back in 2004 this is after the iowa caucus he was quite excited that they finished third and this is what howard dean this is what howard dean is known for you know something you know something If you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Oh my gosh. It is, I just love it. Howard Dean. Why am I bringing up Howard Dean? Well, Howard Dean is um, upset with MSNBC. We mentioned this, didn't mention Howard Dean, but off the top of the program, I said that there's a lot of pressure. Again, you might say, who the heck is Howard Dean? And to that, I really can't argue. But uh, in the world at MSNBC, Howard Dean still apparently apparently holds some degree of clout. Um, and he's pressuring, trying to pressure MSNBC to stop covering the daily coronavirus press briefings from President Trump. You know, when, when information is, is given, when questions are answered pertaining to the coronavirus, um, how the U.S. is responding, who's getting ventilators, how many Americans um, have contracted coronavirus, how many Americans have died, whether or not curves are flattening, projections, and all this stuff that's happening with coronavirus. Howard Dean thinks that the thinks that MSNBC should stop should stop covering this. Howard Dean tweets out was this yesterday, yesterday afternoon, I just told MSNBC I wasn't going on their shows as long as they were broadcasting Trump's press conference. I won't make much difference. That's true. I won't make much difference if it's just me. But if 50 of you did it, uh, it would make a difference. So he's asking for 50 people, 50 people to boycott going on to MSNBC until they stop covering until they stop covering Trump's daily uh, press briefings and the coronavirus task force. I mean, this is, remember, folks, this is the side. This is the side of the political debate, the, 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 of the political aisle, who constantly tells you that they are pro, pro First Amendment. They tell you these things, right? They want the freedom of the press. Right, if Trump goes up there and he calls someone fake news, that is an abomination. That is a violation of our First Amendment. We're watching the Constitution go up in flames right before our very eyes. 
Our founders would be rolling over in their graves. They just could not deal with what Trump is doing to the First Amendment. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Howard Dean, which, again, hasn't had any relevancy since he screamed there back in 2004, but Howard Dean is saying he's going to boycott He's going to boycott MSNBC until they stop covering, stop covering Trump's press briefings, coronavirus task force. That, my friend, is, I guess, I guess what freedom of the press looks like in the minds and through the eyes of the radical, unhinged left. What is so bad about covering? I know they say these are like Trump rallies, but have they watched a Trump rally? This is nowhere near a Trump rally. This looks like another Trump press conference when he sticks it to the media. That's probably what they don't like. They don't like Trump controlling the narrative. They don't like Trump being able to use the bully pulpit. They don't like Trump being able to talk directly to the American people without them putting a spin on what Trump said or how to interpret it or how awful the guy is. That's what they don't like. Pathetic. Pathetic. Howard Dean is it's like taking your ball and going home. I'm not going to play at MSNBC until they stop covering the press briefings. What a pathetic, wimpy thing to do. And I've got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your your host, Todd Huff. And by the way, I will not. I'm not going to take my ball and go home here during the break. I'll be back when you get back from the break. Sit tight. See you in a few. You know, next hour, I want to talk a little bit about Peter Navarro. I want to talk about how the media, on the one hand, on the one hand yesterday was criticizing him, criticizing him for fighting with Dr. Fauci about hydroxychloroquine and whether or not this would be an effective treatment for coronavirus. On the other hand... They're now praising the guy because he wrote a memo in the White House, or to the White House. I guess he's part of the administration, but wrote a memo predicting or warning, I don't want to say predicting, warning of 500,000 potential deaths in a major economic crisis coming uh, coming from coronavirus. We'll talk about that after after the break. I want to reference something else that... Um, well, I want to talk about something else I referenced off the top of the program. You'll know that for those of you that have listened to this program for some time, I am a I'm a fan of UFC. In fact, during the uh, time that we've spent together here as a family, together apart, or what do they call that? Uh, whatever the hashtag is. Everyone is socially isolated and and so forth. I saw some old UFCs. In fact, I saw UFC, some fights from UFC 1 with Hoist Gracie. I saw fights from UFC 3. Another, I think Hoist may have won UFC 3 as well. But anyway, I've been a fan of UFC for some time. Ultimate Fighting Championship. I know this isn't everybody's thing, but I'm, look, I've, I've always, I've enjoyed this and I've, Shared on here, I I like certain fighters. Like uh, my favorite all time was Anderson Silva, who has since uh, I don't know if he's technically retired. 
He fought recently, I somewhat, somewhat recently. Anyway, with all the coronavirus concerns, all these sporting events, NBA, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, NCAA, uh, you know, March Madness, all that stuff shut down. Dana White's been out there claiming for some time, hey, we'll, you know, we're shut down for a little bit, but come mid-April, we are not going to be shut down anymore. And he's continuing to double and triple down on this. And I just want to share this because it's whether you like sports or not, whether you like MMA or not, having being able to see some of this movement, it, it, it gives us, I think, a little bit of hope of coming out of this and getting back at some point. I'm not rushing it, but on the other sense, I do think there needs to be a healthy degree of pressure applied here to, to push us back to normal without uh, creating a bigger problem health-wise. I think that that's a necessary tension, but UFC is apparently apparently close to, according to uh, the president, Dana White, it's close to securing an undisclosed closed-door event for UFC 249. Dana White talking to TMZ says, I am a day or two away from securing a private island. I have a private island that I've secured. We're getting the infrastructure put in now, so I'm going to start doing the international flights too with international fighters because I won't be able to get international fighters into the U.S. I have a private island that I'm going to start flying them all in and doing international uh, fights from there. So as of April 18th, the UFC is back up and running. Just pointing that out, just pointing that out. And I'm, you know, for, for, for people who've been longing for sports or something, you know, for some people it's about the sport. For other people, it's, it's almost a symbolic thing just to be able to have a dose, uh, just a small dose of what life was like prior to all this. I mean, this could be, this quite possibly could be the biggest UFC event ever, but that's apparently what's happening. I find this both encouraging, highly interesting, and, um, you know, we'll see how this, uh, we'll see how this turns out. But anyway, got to take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not to bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. saw this yesterday here in the final moments of our number one, but I saw Larry Kudlow yesterday, top economic advisor to the White House. I saw him yesterday saying that he's trying to or optimistic about or uh, looking forward to finding a way of reopening the U.S. economy in the next four to eight weeks now. I think, again, as I've said from the beginning, this this coronavirus situation has two sides. It's got the health side, which, of course, is life and death. It's saving lives is, is paramount. But there's also an economic side, and there needs to be a healthy pressure applied. So I'm happy to see these sorts of things, a, ha- a healthy pressure applied to make sure that we don't overlook the economic side of this without jeopardizing another outbreak. But I've got to go. Join me, hour number two, SDGC, in a few.